With sports car racing news and analysis from around the globe, this is the Double Stint Podcast. Here's John DeGeese, Dan Lloyd, and Jake Kilshaw. It's day three here at Lamar for Sports Car 365's Double Stint at Lamar podcast series. I'm John DeGeese, joined again by Daniel Lloyd and Jake Kilshaw to break down the day's events here at Circuit de la Sarthe in the final day in the buildup prior to the start of on-track action in practice and qualifying on Wednesday. Um, guys, we had a bit of a slow day today. Um, as sort of catching up on some of our work. Um, a, lot of, a lot of teams were catching up on things, too, following a, a few busy days of scrutineering um, they're all seem to be in prep mode really to, to get ready for practice tomorrow afternoon um, we had some on-track activities here with the group photo um, for the drivers on the start finish line also the autograph session is going on as we're actually uh, recording this in the Loma media center um, we'll start off with you dan what, what was sort of your general thoughts from the day um, anything really strike out to, to and stand out to you in in what's been a, a bit of a, a weather-impacted day of events. Yeah, Tuesday at Le Mans always a quiet prelude to what's about to happen later in the week. We have the excitement of scrutineering downtown um, in the Place de la République with uh, all the cars going in for their weighing, all the photos. Uh, no doubt those those are all being processed today as well. Um, but yeah, it, it was a fairly relaxed atmosphere. The drivers are all around um, just so, soaking it up. And, and really, it's important. While there's nothing apart from the autograph session really going on today we've, we do also have the group photo but while there isn't, aren't too many official obligations the drivers still need to stay in the zone they still need to be um, fixed on the task ahead because we've got some uh, some adverse weather coming in just looking out out of the window now uh, some grey skies and, and certainly tomorrow I think it's we're up in the 80s 90% chance of rain so um, yeah every, everyone's sort of uh, while they can relax a bit everyone's sort of just keeping an eye on what's about to happen in the next couple of days because um, you really can't take your eye off the ball when, when you're in, uh, preparing for Le Mans and uh, qualifying as well. We'll, we'll be starting soon. And Jake, I know you've been patrolling the paddock as well. well what sort of stands out to you from, from today's uh, activities? Yeah, pretty much what Dan said. I mean, it's been fairly quiet, but still some good stuff to see. I went for a walk down, uh, down a pit lane earlier. Luckily got um, some good weather while I was doing that. So it was nice, nice atmosphere down there. Lots of stuff happening in the garages and outside the garages on the pit lane. Uh, lots of uh, tyre change practice, driving change practice lots of people milling around um, some good uh, chances to look at some of the cars as well some of the new liveries so yeah that was good um, good fun but just yeah good atmosphere so far today um, not really anything major going on so everyone's sort of enjoying a, a bit of a break before everything starts up again tomorrow yeah and in terms of news today there weren't a lot of significant headlines i think the biggest story to sort of come from the the wire today is that goodyear has been announced as a tire um, supplier for the 2019 2020 wec season effectively taking the place of dunlop um, goodyear is the parent company of dunlop and um, that sees a, a pretty substantial change in branding no doubt and brings the american tire manufacturer back to uh, lamar style racing for the the first time since 2006 there was a Goodyear shot inter intersport racing lola aer in the um, in the race in 2006 also um, goodyear supplied some uh, alms teams back then but obviously goodyear is a strong heritage at lama i believe they have 14 wins um, at, at circuit de la sarth um, dan what's your sort of thoughts on on seeing a, a, a brand 
that's known worldwide, but sort of ramping back up its its motorsports activities. Yeah, it's great to have Goodyear on board, and certainly having having a fresh face in in or a fresh name in the WEC paddocks going to uh, be very exciting. Um, Goodyear saying it's developing a new tire for its uh, its time in in the uh, WEC next season looking like LMP2 that's that's where we've we've got the tire war at the moment between Dunlop and Michelin um it, it, we we've seen we've seen a couple of teams switching tires um from Dunlop to Michelin for this year's edition of the race Signatech Alpine as well which is a full season where entry went to Michelin um so yeah it'll be interesting to see who takes on Goodyear uh, and, and who goes ahead with the these new tires which have been reportedly in development for a year so certainly a lot going on there as far as we're aware the ELMS will continue to have Dunlop tyres. Uh, Dunlop's obviously the uh, one of the main main sponsors in the championship. The teams in the GTE class run on Dunlop tyres. Um, as far as we're aware, that's going to stay the same. So um, yeah, the more the merrier in terms of uh, big tyre names. And uh, looking forward to seeing what activation uh, the Goodyear brand might bring to the WEC and Le Mans in the future. Absolutely. And other than that, we had news that Motor Trend will um, broadcast the entire 24 hours of Le Mans flag to flag on their network of uh, channels, both Motor Trend TV in, in North America, um, with Velocity Canada, as it's known, um, north of the border, and then the Motor Trend app, which will also carry um, pr- a practice qualifying um, live coverage as, all, as well. That's all through simulcasting via um, Eurosport as the as was the case last year. So great news for North American listeners and viewers. Um, I think we expected this to come, but it it was good to see the confirmation um, that uh, North American viewers are going to get the same coverage they had last year, um, again, this year at Loma. And aside from the Goodyear and and TV news, um, we were able to catch up with some teams about one of our most uh, favorite talked-about items in the sports car racing paddock, and that's balance of performance. It's already a talking point here um, following the test day, and I know you had a chance, uh, Dan, to to talk with the BMW Team M-Tech guys who were a bit off the pace at the test day. Um, uh, Specifically, I think Antonio Felix da Costa had some interesting comments. Um, What did he have to say, and and what's the prospect's look? looking for, for BMW in its uh, Le Mans swan song. Yeah, BMW uh, propped up the order at the test day. They, they were a couple of seconds off the pace of the uh, the other teams in the class. Um, let's not get it wrong. While while they didn't have the pace in the test day, the team's certainly confident about the reliability of the package. Uh, the M8's actually shown some really good pace in the regular wet races, and it, it was it was doing really well at Spa in the rain until uh, an off-strategy call near, near the end uh, uh, curtailed its chances. But um, yeah, not on the performance front the BMWs were were not as quick as the competition that's that's a fact uh, so we we caught up with a few of their team members uh, as you said De Costa was uh, was fairly vocal about where he thought the the performance stood um stressing that they don't want to be given any concessions for the sake of uh giving them more uh giving them additional performance they just want to be able to compete in the race and i think uh, especially when it's the last race of the Antec uh, WEC program you know they 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 don't want to go out and just be running at the, at the back of the field they they want to be competing um especially with such uh, such a brilliant GTE Pro 17 car field so um it, understandable frustration whether whether or not they will continue to have that pace deficit remains to be seen in practice and qualifying um a few interesting points there that the costa was sort of suggesting that um 
all of the GTE Pro cars have sort of had their performance turned down a little bit from the uh, six-hour races uh, at Spa, the regular WEC races, but the BMW's had it turned down a bit more, it seems, um, based on some of its WEC, uh, it, some of its good WEC performances, uh, very good in qualifying, actually, the, the M8. Um, so that's something to keep an eye on. Uh, we, we're not averse to seeing balance of performance adjustments during race week uh, it happened last year and we even post qualifying adjustments we we've uh, we've almost become used to seeing so um, yeah per- perhaps bmw might get a concession they did get a concession last year actually before the race um so we'll, we'll see how it turns out they're, they're running nine kilos heavier than they did in last year's race uh, seems to be affecting them but we will we will see how that how the ACO and the FIA take that data and move on into race week. Um, also on the BOP front, John, you had a story about Keating Motorsports, the GTE and Ford, which no doubt many of our listeners will be following intensely and and really really rooting on because it's such a unique entry. Um, what did Keating have to say about the uh, the order of play in GTE AM? Yeah, and this is something that usually doesn't get talked about very much is the BOP and GTE AM. Much of the focus is always on pro, but this year we have a bit of an oddball in there with the with the Keating Ford GT. This is Ford's first race as a, with the customer uh, uh, squad, first race in GTE AM, and what we saw at the test day um, was that the, the Keating Ford GT of, of Jerome Bleakmolen, Ben Keating, and Felipe Fraga um, was struggling for pace. They, they were 16th out of 17, I think nearly three seconds down on the class uh, pace setting WeatherTech Ferrari, and um, I caught up with Ben this afternoon, um, sort of to get his thoughts on on you know the pace, what they think they have for the race, and he's. Um basically said he's extremely concerned about the, the, the pace right now. He's worried about the BOP. Um, he thinks that the Ferraris are going to gain an even bigger advantage in the race, um, having driven for a Ferrari team last year, um, still under the Keating banner. Um, his program last year was run by Risi Competizione, and he admitted that you know the Ferraris in particular seem to find a lot more pace after qualifying um, before the race, you know, uh, dur- during the race itself. So, um, and also not to discount the Porsches, which have been extremely quick in both years as well. They won last year with the Dempsey Proton Racing. So um, we'll see if there's going to be any kind of BOP change. I don't, I'm not expecting anything to happen probably until after the final round of qualifying. Typically, this is when those changes are made at Le Mans. I don't, I don't think we'll, you know, you never know. It always can happen at any time. But um, I'd be surprised to see something change between Wednesday and Thursday. It might be more of a thing on Friday, but um, we'll see what kind of pace the the, the Ford can do in, in GTE. And Ben reckons that it can, you know, maybe reach a, a 356. Um, that's still a, a bit of a ways off of what we expect the GTE AM pole time to be. But um, you know, uh, really hoping that you know that. Things can be on a on an equal basis for all in in GTEM. I, I know the organizers have a bit of a challenge in trying to get the BOP correct for the Ford, given the lack of data um, with this car racing in this class. It doesn't have a WEC appearance beforehand. You know, much like what the Battles Corvette has had with the with the G, um, BOP and GTE Pro, they ran a couple races in anticipation for this race and seem to be on a much more better BOP maybe um, in this time around. So. Um, no doubt challenging times, but 
um, you know, uh, we'll, hope, we'll have to see if there's going to be any uh, adjustments uh, heading in to the race day itself. In addition to some of the, the BOP talk, there's also some continued discussions about the pace in LMP1, which actually falls under the EOT, equivalence of technology, which could actually also change as well prior to the race day. Jake, I know you've been talking with the SMP racing folks. We're going to have a story on that on Sports Car 365 tomorrow. Um, what's their feelings on, on everything? I know they were, you know, seemed to be ahead a of the pack in the, the non-hybrid race at, at the test day. Um, do they feel pretty confident? confident um, to be in that same position um, come the start of on-track action tomorrow? Yes, I uh, spoke to uh, Mikhaila Loshin and Stoffel Van Dorn at SMP Racing, who, who pretty much think they've got a better a better car than they did this time 12 months ago, um, but uh, thinking that they're going to be a very close battle within the non-hybrid camp in LMP1. Uh, they're, they're expecting Rebellion to be the main uh, source of competition, which I think is pretty much what everyone's um, going to be uh, expecting to see, um, but other than that, the Dragon Speed car could be up there as well, um, and maybe maybe even the Bicolis as well if they have a, a good run. Um, but I think clearly the, the the feeling within the SMP camp is that you know trying to battle with the Toyotas is going to be pretty much impossible. Stoffel van Dorn said, um, quote, uh, to challenge the Toyotas will be very difficult for us in terms of pure pace and over a long run, a long run as well. So they're not really focusing on, on that. They're more definitely looking at the non-hybrid battle um, instead. But, you know, it's Le Mans, so who knows? If those two Toyotas have a bad race, they have um, technical issues, then maybe it could be time for a non-hybrid to get a, get a win. Of course, that has happened so far this season. It happened at Silverstone with Rebellion getting the overall victory there so it could happen so it'll be interesting to see but do uh, do make sure to go and check on sportscar365.com on wednesday morning there'll be a smp story up there with a lot more info about their pace and their updates to the car yeah definitely another talking point to sort of keep an eye on um, as the week progresses well that's it for today's news and headlines and analysis from lama um, next up we have an interview with jonathan bomarito dan sat down with him earlier today uh, to talk about his returned to Lama after a six-year absence, and uh, he's part of the Ford Chip Ganassi Racing UK uh, program and searching for Ford's second win in four years at Circuit de la Sarthe. It's a great interview, and it's coming up next on Double Stint at Lama. Hi, I'm Jerome Liekemolen, and you're listening to Sports Car 365 Double Stint Podcast. So I'm here in the Ford Chip Ganassi Racing pit box and I'm joined by Jonathan Bomarito who's going to be behind the wheel of the number 67 Ford Chip Ganassi Racing Ford GT in the GTE Pro class sharing with his British teammates Harry Tinknell and Andy Prio. Jonathan, great to have you here. Great to have you on our trackside report from Le Mans. Um, you went through scrutineering yesterday uh, yesterday afternoon. Um, you're driving a very unique Ford for this occasion. Uh, what was the reception to the to the brilliant red and white livery you've got on your 67 Ford GT? Yeah, I mean, first of all, it's great to be back uh, at this historic race. It really brings back a lot of uh, great memories for me. It's been uh, a few years since I've been, done the race. I've done it once before in 2013. So coming back, it's a huge honor and to be here in uh, such an iconic race car and livery like you just imagined or explained the 1967 winning uh, Ford GT livery um, everybody loves it the the red and white is uh, really cool colors it looks amazing on the car and um, 
you know a lot of the a lot of the fans if, have been coming to this race for 50 years some of them and to see those colors again you could tell a lot of them are very very excited for it now your last time at Le Mans was in 2013 and, and you were driving one of the SRT Vipers back then um, coming back here six years later um, with, with another drive in the GTE Pro class, um, what's changed for you since, since that, first, uh, that first experience of Le Mans? Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, a lot's changed just for myself personally over those years and experience. And um, I'd been away from GT cars for a while. So getting this opportunity and, you know, I, I basically, we designed the deal to where I, I did Sebring with the team to get back in the flow of GT racing and um, the ebb and flow with the P1 cars and P2 cars um, in the WEC series. So all of that's different for me again because um, I've been running in the prototype class for the last six years with Mazda. Uh, so, you know, it, it's just all the details and, and doing Sebring really helped um, with the pit sequences, the slow zones, the full course yellows, the safety cars. In IMSA, we've, it's pretty standard. You either have a, a caution in a corner and a full course safety car, and, and that's it. You only have two options there. So it's a little bit um, easier from that respect. There's not a, as many small details that can catch you out um, like in this race. You have to really do a lot of preparation for all of the slow zones, where they start, where they end. Um, all the pit procedures like there's a lot of fine details that you really as a driver is all those things are a lot of added pressures that you have to get right because they all they all end up in a penalty mm. yeah as you say lots of things to get used to and more so at Le Mans because we've got three safety cars it's such a long circuit that the uh, the procedures are exacerbated somewhat compared to Sebring how useful was Sebring for you to get your eye into the Ford GT program obviously you knew a lot of the guys from Multimatic from your time in the Mazda program how useful was that uh, race experience for you yeah I think that was huge I mean that was definitely the right way to to structure it um, to get me some seat time and you know just getting handy and more confident with all those procedures i mean you you mentioned the the team the crew i i know i knew most of them a lot of the engineering and and even some of the mechanics from uh, our winter testing with the um with the mazda and so so that from that standpoint it was good i mean they welcomed me in and you know that that transition was easy i work with harry as a as a teammate on the imsa side and and andy prio has been great um helping me get up to speed as well so it's really been seamless it just you know this it's a hard class um you are 11 tenths everywhere and and so is everybody else and this year with I think we have 16 cars in the class, and they're all just amazing driver lineups, amazing teams, manufacturers. It, it really is going to be a great show. Yeah, and, and the last time you were here, you had 11 cars to compete against in the category. This time you've got 16 cars to compete against. The GTE Pro class is just one of the strongest fields anywhere in motorsport, you could argue. Um, how important is it for you, as someone who's mainly been driving prototypes recently, uh, to get this experience of driving in such a stacked GTE Pro field? 
Yeah, I mean, I uh, I really treasure those couple years I did with uh, SRT and the Viper in 13 and 14 and, and love driving GT cars and particularly these GT cars. They're, they're just a lot of fun and the level of competition is, it's like you said, it's arguably probably one of the hardest classes in the world. Um, so, you know, for me coming in as a third driver, I just, you know, you, you need to be on pace. You can't, you know, you can't, I would say you... Years ago, you could probably be off pace a little bit, and you, you, as a team, your other drivers could, you know, hold up the slack a little bit, but not anymore, not in this race. I mean, all three drivers uh, in your lineup have to be on pace and do a perfect job and execute. I mean, the whole team's got to execute, the drivers, everything. It's, it's a... It's a 24-hour race, but it is absolutely a sprint race these days. Yeah, that's a trait we've seen in recent years. Fantastic competition yeah. throughout the GT Pro Class, the place to be, you might say. Yeah. Um, can you draw any comparisons between the Viper and the Ford that you've driven um, in, in the past? Obviously, very different machines, but uh, both from the same category. What, what, what's it like driving one car against the other on the, the Circuit de la Sarthe? Yeah, I mean, there's, there is a lot of similarities. I mean... You know, just that experience has helped me tremendously coming into this event, um, not only from learning the track, but just mentally, you know, wrapping your head around this place from all of the, not only from driving, but all of the technical inspections to the uh, driver's parade and all of these things just building up to event. It's easy to get overwhelmed by the magnitude of the race a bit so i feel way more relaxed coming into this race a lot more prepared um so that's that's a great feeling coming into to such an important race but i mean driving the cars i mean you had a big old v10 front engine and now uh six cylinder you know eco boost uh mid-engine race car there there's a lot of differences but um you know, just getting getting feel for tire warmers because we don't run tire warmers so uh, in IMSA. So I having that experience at Sebring recently and years back when I did this race. There's, so there there are a lot of things that I can pull from, but the overall balance of the car is you know it's fairly different machines for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Um, looking looking ahead to this weekend, um, the, we had the test day recently. The Fords uh, were able to put up some times in the test day around mid pack, very closely packed GTE Pro field. Though, where do you see the competition stacking up ahead of this weekend's race? Uh, track activity starting tomorrow, of course. Yeah, I mean, I think we're very optimistic on our our pace where we'll be. Um, we were, I think, second overall in the. That's you know last Sunday's test day um, in the '67 car, but you know it's you, we look back through all the splits and there's a lot of other cars that it's super super tight. So it's really hard to say where where we're gonna stack up in qualifying. I think the weather is gonna have a a play in this as well. Up until we get to the race, that looks about pretty dry, but. Um, through the next couple days of practicing and qualifying, we have a lot of weather coming through. So I think you're going to see a lot of guys that don't actually get a lot of track time because of the weather. And, I mean, it's a, it's a high possibility that um, you won't see a dry track until the race. So you, you for, for a guy like me that doesn't have as much experience in these cars or even that much experience on this track as of recently um that that last sunday's test day became becomes even more and more valuable the less track time we get coming into this week but i think we're all very optimistic and expecting uh, a good result i mean we're all 
I think every GT car in the paddock are all expecting to win this race, you know. Have you driven Le Mans in the wet? Uh, I have. In 13, it was uh, on and off wet almost the whole race. It was a really difficult race. One of the most difficult races I've ever done. It was like a half-track misting rain and another half-track dry. So um, it was it was really hard. I have driven it. I don't remember a lot of it in the wet, but I'm sure if I once I get out there in the wet, it will start kind of flooding back to you a bit. Brilliant. Well, thank you, Jonathan Bomarito, for joining us and all the best for race week. We're starting to ramp up now. It's starting to get exciting. So thank you for having us. All the best. Ah, thank you. It was great to be on the show and uh, we're looking forward to it. Hi, I'm Shane Van Gisbergen and you're listening to Sportscast 365's Double Spin Podcast. Thanks again to Jonathan for uh, taking some time out of his uh, schedule today to talk with us. It was definitely an insightful interview and a look into seeing how he's adjusted back into GT racing after so many years with racing uh, prototypes in, in the IMSA ranks. Uh, final segment of the day today, we're going to look ahead to tomorrow's on-track action. we got a free practice session. We have qualifying the first session later in the evening, which will set the provisional pole sitters for the 24 hours of Le Mans. I thought it would be pretty fitting to sort of get some predictions, go around the table, see who we think that could be the early contenders for provisional pole tomorrow. I um, guess we'll start off with Jake. Who do you have for LMP1? Well, I think it's uh, more than likely going to be one of the two outers. I think that's pretty much a given unless something completely drastic happens. Um, I think the favourite is surely got to be the number eight car that won last year, but I'm going to um, be a bit different here and say the number seven car. It'll be interesting to see how those guys do. Um, so, yeah, I think possibly um, for drivers, if we're going to go that detailed, maybe uh, Mike Conway. I'm usually terrible at the predictions, but I'll, I'll try and do my best with this one. I, I, I think, as you said, Jake, it's, it's Toyota versus Toyota for the for the pole position. Um, Sebastian Buemi put in some flying laps in the test day, top both sessions, so it's hard to see against him uh, taking pole in the eight car. Um, could we see a non-hybrid split the Toyotas? That's that's possibly the bigger question rather than can Toyota be challenged for pole I'm not sure Toyota seems to think it's possible um, the non-hybrids less so but uh, yeah that'll certainly be a, a storyline to look at as well but yeah my, my pick is Buemi in the eight yeah I agree with you Dan definitely on the eight car not so sure to be Buemi but it, it could be Nakajima who knows um, we'll have to see what Toyota's strategy is with you know putting their driver out for the quick lap also I think we have to t- take into account the potential for rain like you said earlier in the show um, I think that should favor the Toyotas if it rains with their effective four-wheel drive system and hybrid so if a non-hybrid has any potential chance I think it has to be done in the dry and I, I agree that it it's, it's highly unlikely we'll, we'll see a Rebellion or SMP um, um, on, on pole. So let's look at LMP2. Um, I guess I'll, I'll start with that, and, and I'll go with uh, number 37, Jackie Chan, DC Racing, Orica Gibson. Their sister car topped the time charts at the test day. Um, I've been impressed by that whole Jota Sport organization all week, all year. Um, it seems like whatever drivers get in those cars, they – they they do well. Um, we've seen you know strong runs all year. Um, this is obviously Ricky Taylor's um, first race at Le Mans with the team um, under the Jota run banner. He raced with the, the Oak Racing Run DC arm last year, and um, it, it, if it would have to be somebody, I, I would probably put my money on Ricky or perhaps Jordan, but not Jordan Taylor, but Jordan 
King. Uh, King is racing alongside Ricky Taylor this weekend, and that's caused some confusion to some people when you use your first name reference, considering the, the strong bond between the brothers in the States. Jordan Taylor's not racing at Lama this year, just to be clear. Uh, Dan, who do you got? Well, you could you could really pick any of the any of the top half I'd say that finished in the test day, the LMP two class wonderful competition um i think it's fair to say it's going to be an orica entry in in my opinion um don't be surprised to see a delara particularly that racing team netherland delara with nick de vries behind the wheel get up into the top five but i'm pretty sure that we're going to see an orica uh, or an orica based front row um who's it going to be though that's the real question uh this uh, Le Mans, the qualifying system is a bit different to what we have in the other WEC races. We uh, we don't have an average system. It's more like the ELMS, where whoever sets the fastest time, that's that seals their place in the order. So um, on that fairly tenuous basis, I'm I'm going to go for an ELMS uh, car and driver combination. Uh, I'm going to say Norman Nato, who he's driving the RLR M Sport Tower Events Orica. Uh, they they were a bit off the pace in the test day, but um, you know, but that's that shouldn't uh, really detract from from uh, them taking pole I think Nato took pole for the first DLMS race of the year at Paul Ricard in in uh, an Orica based Auris 01 Gibson uh, and then he qualified second on the grid in the next DLMS race so he's clearly on form in qualifying um, he, he seems to run pretty well at Le Mans likes the place it's his second time here so um, uh, I'm going to go for that combination Nato in the Orica I'm going to agree with John and say it's probably going to be one of the uh, DC Jackie Chan racing cars um, um, I think generally it's got it's got to be in Orica in the first couple of positions like Dan said as well but it'd be interesting to see how high up the Ligiers can get as well as the Dallara um, hopefully we can get some variety in the top five um, one of the drivers that also stands out to me as well is um, is of course John Eric Vernon that G-Drive Orica um, Badger Zanorus um, I think it's easy to forget that we've got arguably one of the best racing drivers in the world at the moment in the LMP2 class here um, so it'll be interesting to see how he can do um, on single lap pace in qualifying Next up, we've got GT Pro. Uh, Dan, do you want to get us started on this one? I'd love to. Um, pick any of the names out of a hat, really. I have absolutely no idea who's going to go quickest in GT Pro. Uh, and I, to be honest, I really don't want to put, uh, put a bet on it if, if I had to. Um, just talking around the paddock, a few people saying the Ferraris look strong. I know Ferrari has uh, not been too pleased with its WEC straight line pace. Um, be interesting to see how that plays in, in Le Mans on a different BOP. Um, but I, I do think that based on what I've heard from, from some senior sources at other teams that the Ferraris uh, are going to be fairly strong. So um, I don't know. I'll pick any of them. I'll have Davide Regon because he was the quickest Ferrari driver at the test day and uh, he certainly knows how to pedal them on. So uh, that's my choice for GTE Pro. For me, I, I would have to go with one of the Fords. I, I think that they're going to be back with a vengeance. There's nothing for them to lose in terms of BOP. You know, anything, you know, this is their final race in, in WEC as it is for now in, in the pro class. Um, I, I, I would probably pick the number 67 car. Um, Harry Tinknell would be my bet, but you never know what the other two, you know, especially Jonathan Bomarito. I think he's been extremely impressive in that in that car, especially seeing him at Sebring with the pace. So um, if I had to put my money, it'd be the 67 Ford. Uh, what about you, Jake? 
I'm going to go for Corvette. They uh, showed some fantastic pace on Sunday at test day, um, uh, finishing first and third in class. So I think they've got a particularly good car under them as well at the moment. And of course, it's been quite a few years since they've uh, won in GT Pro. So I think it might be it might be their turn to win this year. Who knows? Uh, Mike Rockefeller put in a fantastic lap in that 63 car at test day. So I'm going to say maybe him for pole. Um, and last up, we've got GT Am. John, do you want to get us started on this one? Sure. And I think I'll go with another car that was quick at the test day, and that was the WeatherTech Racing Ferrari, um, run by Scuderia Corsa back at Le Mans under a you know a, a typical atmosphere for this team that is used to racing in the states. Um, Tony Vlander was quickest in in the in the test, and I think there's just something about these 488s that are putting them above, uh, far and above beyond the other cars in the class at least right now and um i i think looking at the different lineups um v lander the, the ferrari factory driver definitely seems to be the strongest uh, wh- what about you uh Dan. Yeah, the Ferraris are undoubtedly very strong, and, and they basically blocked out the whole of the top five in the test day. Um, but I, I'm going to go the other way and say that a Porsche might might do it. Um, I, I still think there's more to give from the 911 RSRs. They, they were so competitive in the race last year to get the win. Um, and let's not forget that the, Pro, the Dempsey Proton cars have been uh, really smooth in qualifying in the WEC so far this season, taking pole at Spa, Le Mans, Sebring, and, and uh, most of the big races, really, uh, looking at at that list so um i can't tell you which one but I, I think one of the four proton run cars probably one of the two dempsey proton run cars 77 or 78 might do it but um uh, as we all know pole position in le mans doesn't mean anything if you don't make it to the end of the race yeah i'm gonna go porsche as well dan um i think there's some fantastic driving talent in those porsche lineups uh, here a lot of the sort of porsche junior drivers or young professionals or whatever they're called um julian andlauer matt campbell matteo cairoli there's some fantastic talent in there so i think probably one of those guys is going to do it um but as john said you know the ferraris are looking very strong so it's going to be a, i think it's going to be a tight battle between those two brands well those are our predictions and don't take our word for them we're still early on here at Lama. a lot can change and um you know we'll have to see how it all unfolds tomorrow on wednesday for the opening day of of qualifying then we'll have another two sessions on thursday to set the field for the 87th running of the 24 hours of Lama. Um, that's it for tonight's show we'll be back tomorrow for a brief update and and hopefully some interviews with some drivers um, following the first uh, qualifying session and hopefully some interviews with some of the provisional pole sitters and we'll uh, keep everybody updated on on the latest developments both on sportscar365.com be sure to keep checking the website for for all of the up to the minute news here at circuit de la sarth and for dan and and jake i'm john signing out from lama on tuesday